Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to episode 339 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... To infinity and beyond! Matt, how are you doing? I'm very good, David. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. It's been a couple of weeks since you've been on. What have you been up to? Oh, and happy birthday as well, because it was your thank birthday you yesterday. Well, for those listening, it would be two days ago. Yes. So, thank you very much for that. So, a big Star Wars game came out in the form of Lego. Um, yes. And if some of you are thinking like, oh, another Lego game, you just smash stuff up and move on. This is really, really different. It's still like the core of the same thing, but they've really changed a lot of like the gameplay systems and the actual perspective has changed. It's now actually like a third person over the shoulder shooter game, <laughs> which is good. So you've got like a 360 degree camera and stuff because opposed to the other games where you had, I think, like a fixed camera yes. and that sort of thing. Combat is completely different. There's different sort of uh, lightsaber boss battles and you can do blocking things and you can hit with your lightsaber and jump around and throw your lightsaber as well. There's sections in the game where, uh, you know, when you, you destroy a bunch of stuff and then you can build like the next thing you need to click yes. on. There's certain sections where it's like, hey, do you want a blaster to blast through this area or a water cannon to clear the fire here and go down this way? And you basically, as you're holding the build button, you just click left or right and you build different things to decide how you want to go through the next part. It's fully voice acted, which not all of them have been. Some of them have just been sort of characters mumbling uh, in, <laughs> yeah. in a bit of a comedic way. But no, it's fully voice acted. I don't know the voice actors they've picked, but some of them are pretty accurate to the actual characters and everything it's got that usual like lego charm and it's really good with that as well because uh, obviously you go through the skywalker saga so you go through the nine films there's no um solo or rogue one but you go through those so obviously phantom menace through to rise of skywalker you can do the trilogies in whichever order you want so essentially you can't jump into episode two or three of a trilogy you have to start off with one four or seven so how i did it was four through six one, two, and three, and now I'm on episode seven. So I went originals, prequels, and then I'm on the now on the sequel trilogy. The correct order, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Right. with the release order and yeah that, that's kind of how the story is supposed to play out isn't it especially with the whole Darth Vader stuff and yeah. and all that kind of thing otherwise you get things like the other way around the whole I'm your father thing doesn't really quite carry the same effect otherwise because yeah. you kind of would already know but uh, it doesn't do beat for beat the whole film I mean each level is about an hour and a half to two hours depending on how long you kind of take but it sort of gives you these gameplay sections through the different parts within the film and then it gives you cutscenes for like the icon 
iconic moments and, and all that kind of stuff. So you've got like the I have the high ground moment. You've got the I'm your father moment. I've not really got that far into the sequel trilogy, so I haven't had too many of those things yet. And of course, uh, Jar Jar is there as well. So that's <laughs> always that's always good. <laughs> you actually do play as him for, for a short section, which felt like two sections you play as him in the first and the second episode. I don't remember playing as him in the third episode. The parts that you do in those two episodes especially the second one feels a little bit like trolling but i took it as being that's fine because it's a lego game and it's all fun and everything because there's literally a, a section in the second episode at attack of the clones where uh, do you remember those slingshot things they used in the droid battle yeah you, you go you go around this really small little area and you pick up 20 of those balls so that right. you can you, you actually go over to the slingshot and you put them in there which is in like the next part but yeah i felt a little bit like they were maybe trolling but it was a uh, it was all good fun but it yeah it takes some of the more iconic moments and throws a bit of comedy on there but it doesn't sort of ruin those big moments yeah it's pretty well written in that case but no, you can also unlock characters you can do like a free roam roam the galaxy kind of thing travel between the different planets and fly the little ships and stuff and all that the gameplay is really quite solid and quite good as well you've got like space battles and stuff that you do they're not too intricate and complicated you sort of basically press boost and you turn around and you shoot torpedoes and that sort of thing it's is quite fun and the good thing obviously if you fail any of these parts so if your ship blows up or breaks because it's a piece of lego or if you do the boss battles you just essentially come back to life and keep going well so, yes of uh, course. That's, that's good yeah I think you'd probably like this quite a lot. Have you seen or played any of this at all? I, I've seen bits and pieces of it and seen clips of it. And I have a mixed sort of feeling about the Lego games. I think partly because, you know, the janky camera controls where it was a sort of fixed camera and that sort of stuff. And, right. and yeah. found them a bit repetitive. But this has been getting a lot of really decent reviews. So I am quite tempted now you've said that to pick it up. I was just looking up out of interest the voice cast for it because you said some of the voices are quite good. Mm. They will be familiar to some people. Some of them are the actual people. So like Anthony Daniels is voicing C-3PO because I don't think Anthony Daniels would let anybody else do C-3PO at this point. Um, <laughs> Billy D. Williams is doing Lando. Brian Blessed is doing Boss Naz. Andy Seacombe, who's the guy that voiced Watto, is voicing Watto. So there's a lot of the original cast in there. Daniel Logan doing Boba Fett. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of well-known voices in there. Matt Lanter who is the voice of Anakin in the animated series is doing Anakin in this as well. So they've taken a mix of the actual stars from the films, people that voice the stuff in the cartoons, and then there's a bunch of very, very experienced voice actors doing the other bits in between as well. Mm. I I think it is a fairly solid mix of, of voice casting. It's actually quite impressive what they've got for that. That's really good. And the fact that it is all voiced rather than the sort of what I kind of refer to is Simlish that they used to do which is that Simlish is the language they use in The Sims and there was like a Lego version of that that they used to use and if they're actually doing full voice acting though that I'm quite interested in I might actually go and pick that up and give that a try I think yeah so like I said for anybody that's kind of got tired of the old Lego games which I sort of did they did start getting just a bit too repetitive this is like a new format for it which is good it's especially good with the third person camera when you have the boss fights like Boba Fett and he's flying around and 
stuff. Um, mm. So that that's really good. Been really enjoying that. I'm on episode seven, so I should be finished with that at some point soon. Going back over to Apple TV Plus, I've kept going on with Foundation. Really, really, really enjoying it. I'm up to episode four. As of episode five is my my next one. So I've watched I think two since I've last been on. Yeah, it's getting a good mix of obviously very complicated medical stuff and you know dialogue and exposition all that kind of thing. But also has a bit more action than what I maybe expected. They're getting into sort of some of the other mystery parts and that like with the actual main thing and is changing with it which is uh, really good it's interesting because uh, obviously when I watched I think the first episode you mentioned about the show's structure and how it sort of jumps around and stuff and sometimes I've pointed out with you know certain shows as to how that's sometimes a bad choice in it makes your story really lose its focus and things but with this it actually feels like it's deliberate and it's trying to yeah. be sort of mysterious and make you think about instead of you just watching the scenes it's making you think okay when does that does this take place okay we're back with the younger version of this character then the older one then there's like other things going on I found that actually quite it, it's I've not really seen too many shows that have done that that have sort of flipped between the time frame and, and stuff in the scenes and you trying to work out like where everything is so uh, I, I've, I've quite enjoyed that aspect I'm actually quite surprised how good that part is mm-hmm. again that comes with really 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 good writing which you can't have bad writing on a show like this yeah. so that's been really really good but no I found that really compelling really good to watch um, two characters are kind of stuck out obviously the main character and I find the um I'd say the middle-aged of the brothers. Really quite interesting to watch. He's in quite a few scenes. Yeah. And his sort of charisma and, and that stuff is really good to watch. So, yeah, been really enjoying that. So I'll keep going. Uh, I think there's 10 episodes, so I'm uh, about almost halfway through. So that's been really good. Yeah. The middle brother's Lee Pace right. plays that, who people will know from things like the MCU. He's popped up in a number of other things. He plays Ronan the Accuser in the MCU from Guardians and Captain Marvel and uh, Pushing mm-hmm. Daisies, which was the big TV show that he was in as well, which was brilliant and cancelled way way too early mm-hmm. but no I've really enjoyed that it's been really good continue with the, with Upload I've now finished season one in fact I've seen episode one of season two really quite surprising finale with that almost ended up as like a horror thing yeah. <laughs> with uh, something that happens in that finale but I think it's got kind of more complicated more kind of interesting and stuff and the, the way the show decided to use the character of Ingrid I thought was quite fascinating because I, as you were getting to sort of episode 7, 8, 9-ish towards the end of the first season you're kind of thinking you could think about where the show might end up going not necessarily the end of season 1 but more towards the end of its actual whole series and then they kind of flip the script slightly Mm-hmm. towards the end of season one and I found that really really interesting to watch but yeah still funny still really fun show start of the second season's a bit different um, yeah. but I'm looking forward to seeing uh, where that goes so that's been really good and then sticking with the Apple as well with a new show that's come out this is a show called Raw it's got I think 10, 10 or 8 episodes they're all kind of anthologies I think every single episode has got a female lead yes I think that's well. the purpose of it yeah yeah. Uh, so you got people like Merritt Weaver in there who's in, who's in some of the episodes first episode because that's the only one that I've seen so far I mean if you watch the trailer you can get a bit of a glimpse as to like some of the individual episodes first episode's called The Woman Who Disappears it's about like racism and sort of police corruption and things like that and it takes kind of a look at 
it's very difficult for me to talk about that without spoiling one of right, the yeah. biggest like elements of the episode. But um, I found that really quite powerful and interesting to sort of watch. That was really quite good. Again, great production value from Apple. I'm looking forward to seeing where the rest of that season goes with the anthology episodes. But that was uh, really, really good to watch as well. Have you seen any of Raw? I haven't. Just come out? I think it only came out like on Friday. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't actually got to it yet. Uh, there, there is a good cast. It's SRA in the yeah. first episode. Nicole Kidman's the second episode. Betty Gilpin. You've got Merritt Weaver, as you mentioned, in there as well. You've got Alison Brie in there. You've got Mira Sayal. There's a really solid cast for that. Oh, well, for Melina pops up in one of the episodes as well. So it's an anthology thing, isn't it? So every episode mm-hmm. is slightly different. Um, each story is a collection of women's experiences and how women navigate through others' perceptions as well as their own. So mm-hmm. it, it, it is very heavily female-focused. They're, they're describing it as darkly comic feminist fables is how, how it's described. So um, okay. I really like the sound of that. It's from, I think, the showrunners that did Glow. I think so, yeah. I think it might be from them. Yeah, it's obviously yeah, they're, it they're not uh, working on Glow anymore. Much to, much to the annoyance of everybody that was a fan of Glow, yes. So that gives you sort of some idea of the feel of it, you know, mm-hmm. that type of stuff. So that's very cool. Uh, but now I'm looking forward to, to going back to those. I think they're all like 30 minutes sort of anthology episodes. So yeah. uh, first episode was that really good. So that's uh, what I've been up to, David. How about yourself? A few things, obviously, this week. Walking Dead had its second part finale, which we covered mm. quite extensively over on Walking Dead UK podcast. So if you want to know more about that, then you can go and listen to that over on Entertainment Talk. But um, solid finale for the second part. We've got the third part. There is a date I've seen floating around, but I can't actually confirm it, saying it's going to be like 2nd of October. I saw saw somebody saying that as well, but AMCA themselves haven't. Yeah, I don't know where that date's come from because I can't confirm it anywhere. I mean, they are right. It is going to be around that sort of time, but Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be sort of late September, early October probably. And that will be the final, what, eight episodes, isn't it, for the last bit? Yeah. So there's that. But Better Call Saul starts as well, which I think will have gone out by the time the show goes up. So uh, we'll talk a bit about that. Yes, well, so. over on, we're now doing the Better Call Saul podcast. So that will be over on Entertainment Talk as well. But I'm sure I'll mention that a bit next week. Mm-hmm. In other shows that I've gone back to, Severance, which I watched the first episode of, really, really loved. And then there was a big delay <laughs> before I managed to get back around to watching the rest of it. But now I've got some other stuff out of the way. I've managed to actually sit down and focus on it. I'm on to the seventh episode now. This is the Apple TV Plus series where mm-hmm. the essential premise of it is Guy works in this place where which is so super secure, what they have to do to work in that particular office is have their minds severed. So your work memories are completely separate from your home memories. The people that work in the office never really leave the office because from their perspective, they walk into an elevator, they leave, but the second that they actually leave, they turn into their home brain. And when they come back into the office, it's them again. So the person in the office never really leaves the office which is a really odd concept it's wonderfully strange and weird it's superb though 
It really is, because it, it's not only the sort of mystery story of what are they doing, what's going on, what happened to these people, is everything right with this severance procedure? You know, because obviously there are some people outside that don't agree with it and they're protesting it, but is there genuinely something wrong with it rather than people just having an issue with severance as a whole? And also it goes into the sort of psychology of you're now split into these two people because the people that are now in the office don't have any memories of their home life. So they're essentially like newborn adults. They know how to talk and how what things are and that sort of stuff, but they have no context for anything. And as far as they're concerned, they don't sleep because they never really leave the office. They're aware of what's going on and they're aware that their brains has been severed. So they know that there is a what well, they sort of an outie and an innie is how they sort of refer them. They know there is an out, <laughs> yeah. outside version of themselves who is essentially in control of their existence, but they don't know anything about that person so they don't know whether the person's at home is married or whether they have children or you know what they do on their downtime they have no clue it's just a really interesting odd concept for a tv series but it's so brilliantly put together there is a twist at the end of the episode which to be fair i'd guessed part of that twist i don't want to say what it is because you know but i guess part of what that twist was coming because i think they'd kind of made it fairly obvious that that was gonna be it but i hadn't quite guess the whole full extent of it those cliffhangers in those last three episodes are painful yeah <laughs> especially the last episode but now obviously i've talked about it on here a bunch of times i did my season one review recently so i uh, really really enjoyed that that was a bit of a different sort of show to, for me to talk about as well that was good one of my favorite elements about the show i think just like with lost is the numbers i think as well because obviously mm-hmm. you, had the, you had the hatch in lost which the, num- the numbers there weren't as much of a mystery as they are here yeah um but still it's got that kind of element to it which is good yes so I've got two more episodes, two or three more, no, two more episodes to go with that because it's nine episodes for the first season in it. So yeah, two more episodes to go in that, but I'm really looking forward to watching the rest of it. The other thing that returned this week, Doctor Who with Legends of the Sea Devils, which was a one-off special. It's the penultimate thing for Jodie Whittaker and Chris Chibnall. The episode was written by somebody called Ella Rhodes and Chris Chibnall. Ella Rhodes is actually a mainly a plays and stuff but um, they wrote it it's obviously Jodie back as the 13th Doctor Mandip Gill and John Bishop back as the two companions <sighs> where do you start with this I mean it's was nice it, to have was it good bad uh, not great I think is probably the oh, okay. uh, I mean <laughs> I, 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 I hate to be negative about stuff but it's really not very well structured at all and I wish Jodie was staying around a bit longer because I love to see Russell T. Davis writing for her and it's such a shame that she's not going to have the opportunity to do a show with a decent writer attached to it and Chris Chibnall is, is I don't know what's happened to him but it's this thing where Doctor Who seems to be a very difficult thing to get right Russell T. Davis seemed to nail it whereas Chris Chibnall struggled Stephen Moffat struggled in places Chibnall just doesn't seem to 
understand Doctor Who particularly well, which is really weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, the episode itself, it reintroduces the Sea Devils, which we haven't seen since, I think, John Pertwee's era was the last time that they showed up. So it was nice to have a classic creature back. The design of the creatures, they've pretty much kept the same as the sort of originals. They actually did, that was an active consideration rather than doing a sort of overall redesign of them. They've actually pretty much kept the kind of iconic look of them and then just updated them slightly so they look a little bit more animated because obviously when we saw them before they were basically big papier-mâché heads but they've done a decent job with updating those in terms of the visual looks i don't know whether that ate up most of the budget because the special effects are a bit all over the place on this episode which i mean i it's fine it's doctor who if the special effects are a little janky in places that's okay but there was noticeably not great in places in this which Mm -hmm. is a bit of a problem Overall, though, the plotting was a bit all over the place. There were was talk of the fact that this was quite a difficult episode to kind of film and put together, and maybe they hadn't completed the script when they started, and it sort of shows. Okay. There feels like there are bits of the story which are missing, and so much exposition of the characters saying what's going on on screen when we're seeing what's going on on screen. You like there was a comment I saw. Around Reddit of somebody going, are they trying to save money on the audio descriptive? It's so nice for deaf people because they don't need to turn the audio descriptive on because the characters are literally doing the plot exposition direct into the camera to explaining what's going on when we're actually sat watching it on screen. It's, I don't know, the dialogue's just very clunky. It's very by the numbers in terms of, you know, Doctor turns up somewhere where she's overshot where she's supposed to be, so they're not quite where they're meant to be. Then something happens, the sea devils appear, Doctor has to save the world, and end. It's sort of fairly standard by the numbers kind of Doctor Who plot, Mm -hmm. and the bits in between just don't fill it out particularly well there are large chunks where you're like well how did they get from there to there and that doesn't really make any sense and sometimes you can get away with that and sometimes you'll let it pass but it happens so much in this episode that you're like hang on a minute no you can't do that that doesn't work Mm. not really impressed the most exciting thing for me in the episode was the teaser that they did for Jodie's and Chris's final episode which is due sometime in the autumn we don't know exactly when yet mainly because it introduces two of the old companions are coming back there was a tease at the end of that which means I think it's Ace and Tegan they're bringing back for the last one who who were Peter Davison Colin Baker era and Ace was Sylvester McCoy era so I'm kind of interested to see what they do with that and they they tease the master coming back and there were Daleks and Cybermen so it's one of the ones the the master again yeah and Daleks and Cybermen they've basically just thrown all the old things in for the the final run there's good ways you can bring characters back and your audience can go oh my god that character's back and then there's times where you could bring a character back and you go oh it's 
that person again. Yeah. I mean, I don't have like full context for what's going on. I haven't seen the episode, but I can't remember which season it was. I think it was the end of Jodie's first season, maybe. And I remember they brought the master back and I was like, oh, it's this character again, even though they were back for one episode, I think. So mm. with something like Doctor Who, where you've got kind of two audiences, because BBC are trying to make this family friendly and stuff. Yeah. So it's that fun, you know, sci-fi adventure for, the, for all the family. And then you've got your adults that you're writing for, which is a tricky thing to do when you've got kids that won't necessarily always want to sit through like explaining things and all that kind of stuff. It's interesting the way that you're describing it and how you're talking about, I suppose, the writing qualities and how not fun it seems like this was. Yeah. Because I went and saw Sonic 2 on Friday, which I reviewed and really, really loved. And that does kind of the better version of this, where instead of trying to be too serious and trying to explain all the lore and everything like that, it just tries to have fun. And there's some elements of it that don't work, but you kind of look at some of those elements and think, okay, that's the part that's for kids that you should just accept. And they're not going to always be for you. But then there's the other parts that are just the pure, it's Sonic, you want to just go in and just have a good time and have fun. Mm -hmm. Doctor Who, I would say, is more capable of being more serious, maybe. Yes. But from the sounds of things, it should try to do what Sonic is doing, which is try to just be a bit more just fun. I think the balancing act is the fact that, yes, you're right. Yeah. It needs to be a sort of family friendly show. And I don't think he's ever really found the tone properly mm -hmm. because, like you say, you've got two audiences. You want it to be accessible to a younger audience. You want to be bringing new people in but you also have this massive what 50 60 year history of background of people that have grown up with Doctor Who and want something a bit more out of it and what mm. Russell T Davis did quite well was he understood that and could write for the adults whilst keeping it a family show it's a difficult thing to balance that and some shows do it really well some writers do it very well like I think Russell did and Stephen Moffat did in places as well but Chris just doesn't seem to have managed to get a handle on it he's either gone way way too much into kind of the lore and the backstory and over complicated the story or he's gone way way too young and just done a big sort of adventure thing and removed all the adult stuff out of it so it sort of seems to be one or the other and he's having a lot of problems trying to balance both. We'll see what the final outing for the two of them comes like and then of course Russell T. Davis comes back with a new Doctor who we still don't know who that is yet. We've got to get an announcement at yeah. some point presumably before the last episode comes out in the autumn but mm. we'll see. It does feel a little bit like with Jodie you've kind of wasted the opportunity there yeah. slightly because I think there was like was it season 10 and 11 and then we had the six other episodes and then this one I think that's what we've had so far yeah and I kind of remember one of the seasons improved over the other one but it still just felt like too little sort of too late yeah um, which it does now so kind of disappointing yeah, yeah. I do wish Jodie had had somebody better writing for her because I think she's great and they've also got this weird love story going on between 13th Doctor and Yaz and I don't think that's really kind of working and we've had sort of love stories between the Doctors of Companions before obviously you know Rose but Again, I don't think they've quite grasped it properly and Jodie's explanation of the sort of unrequited love thing wasn't I don't know some of the dialogue just doesn't work is Yaz Mandip Gill yes okay just the dialogue isn't really working between the two of them because they have a sort of heart to heart thing this week about you know, why the doctor doesn't feel like she can have a relationship with her and but it's very clunky in the way it's explained and 
the whole thing just very clunky, not very well put together, writing all over the place, plot all over the place. It's not good. Really not good, unfortunately. So, yes, one more outing to come, which will be in the autumn, and then we get Russell T. Davis back and a new Doctor, and we'll see where that goes. When do you think the new one will be announced? Wouldn't surprise me if it's over the summer at some point. Okay. Because I know they filmed Jodie's bit of the regeneration sequence. I don't know whether they filmed the new Doctor coming in, so I don't know whether they've actually picked anybody yet. Because they may have just filmed like Jodie's exit bit and then uh-huh. not filmed the new actor yet. So I don't know whether they've actually found somebody or not, but I suspect that announcement will come over the summer or be come towards the end of the summer before this last episode goes out, which is supposed to be autumn at some point. Mm-hmm. So one other thing I watched this week, a stand-up comedy special, but this one particularly is so interesting and well done. It's a guy called Jared Carmichael who who isn't a comedian I particularly knew very well. He has been in a number of things. He was in the Neighbours films that starred Seth Rogen and Zac Efron. He was in a couple of those. He was in The Disaster Artist. I think he's on SNL. He had a thing called The Carmichael Show as well. But I don't particularly know him, but I'd heard a lot of things said about this special. The special is called Jared Carmichael Rothaniel. It's on Now TV. It's on Sky Comedy, I think it went out on. So you can find it on your Skybox. It's a HBO comedy special. It's an hour long. Like all comedy specials, it's a guy sat in a club talking to a bunch of people. It's weird thing to say for a comedy special, but it's beautifully shot. It's actually shot and edited by Bo Burnham, who I'm a huge, huge fan of. If you've not seen Bo Burnham Inside, which was the Netflix special that Bo did, it, it is a masterpiece of work that, and uh, he ended up editing and directing this as well. Weird thing to say for a comedy special that it is well directed, well edited, but it is. The unique thing about this is he's talking about secrets and he's talking about, about his father and the number of secrets that his father had and how he kept a lot of the family in the dark and how he discovered what his father's secrets were and also once he gets into the show says I've got a secret as well which I've not told anybody and I kept from my family. I'm going to say what it is because it has been in a lot of the news and stuff. He comes out as gay on the show and this is the first time he said it publicly. It's really interesting how the show is structured because it's him sort of telling stories rather than it being kind of set up gag, set up gag. It's him telling this sort of story and it's funny and it's interesting. And, you know, like I say, he started off talking about sort of some of the secrets of his father and his family and then comes into this bit and talks about coming out and coming out to his family and coming out to his friends and now coming out in public for the first time. It then almost turns into a sort of discussion with the audience. And so you have some of the audience members asking him questions and he's answering them. And it is still funny. He's still making jokes, but it's not like a normal sort of pre-written set. He's very much kind of thinking of this as it goes along. So it is a little bit more of a kind of conversation. And it's just fascinating watching him answer this stuff and coming up with it. And you're seeing him do it there, you know? 
And there are interesting odd bits of silence in there when he's thinking of things and where they do camera pans across the audience. And I I don't know, it's a really intriguing bit of work. Very, very different for the comedy special, but well, well worth going to check out. As I say, it's called Jared Carmichael Roth Annual. It's available now. It's available on Sky On Demand as well. So I would urge you to go and check that out because it is really interesting as well as being incredibly funny. The stories that he's telling about his family are, are brilliant and really entertaining. But overall, it's just got something deeper going on in there as well. And uh, really, really, really interesting and well worth going to watch. Yeah, I don't particularly know this person. I did look up an image of them just in case it was one of those people that, you know, I recognise the face, but not the name. Yeah. Obviously, in terms of coming out and that sort of thing, that was a very uh, brave way to do it. And I do applaud this person for doing that because obviously I know what that can be like. Yeah. Um, not in the same situation. I didn't go on a stage and, <laughs> yeah. and, and do that. But, I uh, yeah. yeah, I did all the podcasts, but different kind of thing. But yeah, I know what that can be like, especially when you don't tell anyone for way too long and it builds up and builds up so credit to him for doing that i wish them all the best it'd be interesting to hear your your take on it it is worth going to watch that um what is it on did you say it's on now and sky on demand as well because it's a hbo special so it went out on sky comedy so i don't know Uh how long it will be available on there for but it is worth going to look up definitely i'll try and watch that before the next geek town jared carmichael rothaniel it is called so that's all the stuff we've been doing this week let's move on to some tv and film news 
Ghosts, which is the US version of the British TV show, which apparently has been done really, really well. It's got, I can't remember the woman's name, but uh, the lead from um, iZombie is the female lead in that. Rose MacGyver. Yes, she's the lead in that. And apparently that's been quite good. And I can see her working in that sort of show as well. There are trailers floating around for it, but I haven't actually managed to see an episode of it. And SWAT has also been renewed. Uh, Bull is, I think, currently airing its final season as well, because they announced that that would be the final season. So those are all the CBS renewals. So there's quite a lot there. Over on Fox, they renewed all their animated series that they currently have on air. So that's things like The Simpsons, Great North, Housebroken, Family Guy, American Dad, Duncanville, I think he's back as well. So that's for a third season. So they renewed all those. They also renewed The Cleaning Lady, which is the show which I think Elodie Young is the lead in that. Over on NBC, they renewed La Brea, The Blacklist, the entire Chicago franchise, Law and Order SVU and New Amsterdam, which is coming back for one more final season. The CW is the interesting one because usually they've renewed everything by now, but because of things that are going on with Warner and the CW itself, they've been a little more hesitant this year. So they have renewed some stuff. They've renewed All American, The Flash, Kung Fu, Nancy Drew, Riverdale, God forgive us, and uh, <laughs> Superman and Lois and Walker have all been renewed. Stargirl, Roswell, New Mexico and All in the Dark haven't yet premiered the new seasons. So those aren't in the lists anywhere else, but we wouldn't expect them to be because they haven't aired their current seasons yet. A couple of things that have already been cancelled. The Big Leap on Fox, I think that went out on Disney Plus over here, and Ordinary Joe on NBC has also been cancelled. So there aren't that many straight-up cancellations recently, but those were the the two latest ones. What we're going to do now is look at how safe the other things are and where they kind of sit in the bubble list. Uh, Bubble being something we refer to as being a 50-50 on the bubble of whether it will get renewed or not. So shows that are most likely safe, which haven't been renewed yet and the reasons that most of these haven't been renewed is because they're made by external studios and there are contractual things to work out or one of the stars has come to the end of their contract so they need to renegotiate that before they can officially sign a new season so these are all shows which unless something goes horribly wrong will come back over on abc the goldbergs the connors and big sky all look likely to be returning for new seasons the fbi franchise seems pretty solidly safe as well the equalizer and blue Blue Bloods. Uh, Blue Bloods, I think, is requirement on Tom Selleck signing a new deal because he's at the end of his contract right now. So assuming that happens, which I think it probably will, that should come back and the others should be fine. 911-911, Lone Star, The Resident all have deals in negotiation at the moment. So all of those should be returning. Call Me Cat, which is the Mian Bialik series that I think had a change of showrunner and creative direction in its second season. Then uh, that looks like that's going in the right way or the way that Fox want it so that's been renewed and there's a show called Pivoting as well which looks like it's going to get renewed over on NBC Law and Order Organised Crime Law and Order both look like they're going to be okay American Auto which is actually from the guys that created Superstore but hasn't aired over here yet that looks like it's going to be alright Young Rock looks like it's going to be okay as well those are all things which there are contracts in negotiation for at the moment it's just they haven't officially been renewed 
reviewed, but barring anything going horribly wrong, those are all shows which should be coming back. Yeah, with Big Sky, what was that on ABC? I think you mentioned. Yes. Um, yeah, I've got like one episode just sitting there waiting because I did fall a little bit behind on it. And then I realized that the episode stopped coming out, I think, because it went on a mid season break or something. Yeah. Bit of an odd show. They're still doing like the main plot and everything, but they're just adding in these other things. And while they're okay, I don't really know why they're quite there. I, me- mm. I remember you mentioning that with the uh, the ranch storyline in the first season. Yeah. And they've added like these two other things as well. One of which is like where these teenagers find a bunch of drugs. And then another one is where this other guy gets involved with the main plot and gets involved with like Cassie, I think. Mm-hmm. I was looking at that show and looking at its trajectory and stuff. And I was trying to see what other people thought of it online. And I just looked at that and I thought, I wonder if this will get cancelled. Because I, I didn't <laughs> know about all of this at that point. But you know when you just kind of look at a show and you think, hmm, is it going to end up actually like continuing? So I, I'm going to wait until it actually gets renewed and then continue. But yeah. it's, it's gone on a bit of a strange trajectory. And yeah. I'm not sure why. I, why. So. I know what you mean. I, I watched the initial first half of the first season. Yeah, I the think. nine episodes, I think. I, I, yeah. I, yeah, I watched those nine episodes. Really good. Seemed to pretty much wrap things up. There was a few things left dangling at the end, but wrap things up fairly well. And then I tried to go back to it after that and really struggled. So it's like they had a really solid arc written and then they got picked up for more episodes and were like, oh crap, what do we do now? And then right. kind of went off in these weird tangents and it feels like they're sort of padding it out a little bit more. So I don't know, I might go back and try The storyline did conclude fairly well. I'll yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but I don't know what these other things are in there for. Yeah. It feels like different parts of different, not different shows, but yeah, just different things yes. stitched yeah. together. So yeah, it, it feels a bit disparate as you kind of get further into it. So mm-hmm. on the other ones though, uh, the only other ones I really watch, I think, here are the nine one one shows. Uh, yeah. which I think we haven't had the newest seasons. Nine one one is airing at the moment, but we haven't had the newest nine one one Lone Star yet. Which I, I suspect Lone Star will be coming after May nine one one finishes in the UK. I oh, was that running at the moment. Yes, I either didn't know that or I forgot all. <laughs> yes, I don't know. So it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the the main 911 series is running right now. That's going to get caught cool, up. The other one that I do watch is Young Rock, which is hilarious and I really enjoyed that show. So I'm, right. I'm glad that looks like it's probably going to be safe. The ones that I've put at sort of 75% safe, Wonder Years, which is going out on Disney Plus over here. That's an ABC show. And there's one called Home Economics as well. They look like they're probably going to be okay, but they're they're on slightly shakier ground than being absolutely, almost totally guaranteed. They're on slightly shakier ground for various reasons. You know, their numbers might not have been quite as good or there's other things going on behind the scenes, but... Those two, I've got 75%. Magnum PI is also slightly lower down, although, and again, I think it's probably likely to get picked up. And Mr. Mayor as well. Its numbers weren't, I think, as good as maybe they hoped, but it's got Tina Fey and that 30 Rock team behind it. So I suspect that will probably get picked up purely because of that. They will want to keep it around for a bit longer. And, mm-hmm. and it was a really entertaining show, that. I mean, it's very funny. So we'll see. Those are the ones that are at about sort of 75%. Now we come to the actual bubble shows. So these are things which are very much at a 50-50 chance. 
Over on ABC, A Million Little Things. Interestingly, most of these I don't think have actually run over here, but uh, Million Little Things on ABC. CBS has Be Positive and United States of Al, both of which are Chuck Lorre comedies. Chuck Lorre being the big producer of things like Big Bang Theory and uh-huh. you know, he did yeah. Two and a Half Men and Roseanne and I mean, a whole bunch of things. Those are his two comedies at the moment. It seems possible that only one of those will get renewed. I don't think we've had either of them, so there's be positive in United States of Al and it's likely that only one of those two will get picked up I think be positive they said thought had the slight edge to it but it may be one or the other for those over on Fox there's a thing called Our Kind of People which is looking like it may or may not come back over on NBC they have Grand Crew and Keenan which both seem to be on shaky ground then we come to the CW, which I think is where people are going to be more interesting because some of these shows do actually air over here. And as I said earlier, the CW is in a weird position right now. The bubble shows they've got there are the 4400, Dynasty, Charmed, Legacies, Legends of Tomorrow, Batwoman, Naomi. There's also the Gotham Knights pilot, which they're currently shooting right now. The rumours are that only out of the Arrowverse shows, only two of the four may get picked up. So whether that's Naomi, is the new one and the Gotham Knights pilot possibly and they lose the two older shows because I mean that certainly will probably be the cheaper way to do it because you don't have to pay the cast as much because it's they're essentially new shows I don't know under normal circumstances what would usually happen is Mark Pedowitz who is the current president of CW would say okay we'll renew Legends for a final season and give them a proper send-off the problem mm-hmm. is that the CW is potentially up for sale because we've talked about this before but the CW is owned by a mixture of CBS or Paramount as they are now and WB or WB Discovery as they are now. So there are a lot Mm -hmm. of changes going on behind the scenes and those two companies have basically said we don't really need the CW as a channel anymore because we've all got our own streaming services and the CW as a channel never actually make any money. What they made money from was making shows for the CW and then selling them to people like streaming services and internationally. So the CW was only ever really a showcase it itself doesn't make any money for them. So they kind of thought, well, we'll stay as minority shareholders and supply shows to it, but we want to actually sell the channel itself to somebody else. And there are people that are interested in it. But if they do that, they're going to have less say in what gets cancelled and what gets renewed on that channel because it's not their channel anymore. So that's why we've not seen them automatically just renew everything in January or February, which is what they've done um, before. I mean, out of those shows i did watch a bit of charmed but i was more of a fan of the old series than i am of the current one legacies has never aired over here dynasty does air over here that airs on netflix 4400 that new version of it hasn't landed here yet legends batwoman both air here naomi hasn't and then there's the gotham knights pilot i mean i hope they give legends a final send-off if they're going to do that i'm less concerned with batwoman i don't know about naomi because i haven't seen it and who knows with the gotham knights pilot there's only like one person I follow on Twitter that talks about Naomi. Uh, right. That's pretty much it. Obviously, we're in those spaces where we follow like, you know, DC conversation and that sort of thing. And people talk about like Flash and Superman, Lois, and sometimes Batwoman and stuff. Obviously, Batwoman's, I think, finished its season. But um, there's like literally one person I follow on Twitter. And, and every now and then, Twitter will sort of show you like, this person's tweeting about a topic that you like, but you don't follow yeah. them as like, a, as like a follower suggestion. But even that, in those spaces, I still just don't see anybody talking 
about Naomi, mm-hmm. um, which goes to speak about you know the lack of buzz around it. I suppose I did manage to watch the first two episodes, and I just I just fell off of it. The, the way really? that they, the way that they were telling the story was very really slow and really quite sort of strange, but it, it just didn't click with me really at all. Yeah, it's interesting with the with the Batwoman stuff because there's a verified Twitter account called Batwoman Writers Room, and even they were like, "Hey, please renew the show." And you know, when it gets to that point, you think, "Okay, there is like something up with that." Well, Which is again, as you say, is a bit odd for a CW show because usually they get to like January and they're like, "Hey, everything's back next year." It's the same with Legends. The Legends writers have been pushing a sort of renew Legends thing as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly they are very much bubble shows this year. I hope that they give them some form of send off because they've never actually just straight up cancelled an Arrowverse show they've always no. given them even if it's a shortened run they've always given them the last few episodes to like mm. tie things off yeah. so we'll see but I mean the other change of course is the fact that Warner Brothers have now merged into Warner Brothers Discovery so there's a lot of changes going on at a higher corporate level and right. they're talking about what they're going to be doing moving forward there's been sort of some chat about what they're going to do with the DC properties they're more talking about film but it does relate to the tv thing because dc overall has been very mishandled you know you look at how conjoined and how well structured the marvel stuff generally is at this point whereas dc is all over the place both in the film universe and the tv universe and i think what they're trying to do is what you kind of think they should have done five years ago which is find somebody that can be that one unifying head in the same way that kevin years for Mm. Marvel and find somebody that can go okay this is the route we're going down and plough a solid track for them to follow of make make a plan (laughs) yeah and actually make a plan which they had one in 2016 they just threw it in the bin yeah because they get worried of like oh this didn't go exactly how we wanted it therefore let's Mm. throw everything away they mess Justice League up and then they're like nope we're just throwing this arc in the bin obviously they Mm -hmm. revisit the Snyder Cut but in different circumstances yeah but yeah because if you look at the slate that we've got now as opposed to the one that we were going to get it's like completely different so yeah it'd be interesting to see what happens with with dc over the next like what six months to a year or or maybe maybe probably even longer than that yeah so we've just got to see what happens when they sort all that stuff out because we have got a bunch of disjointed tv shows and movies and coming in so who knows we'll wait and see with that I mean, as with all of these, they have to make a decision at some point, kind of by the end of May, even if they don't do it before the upfronts. By the end of May, you've got to give some indication one way or the other, really, because if these shows are coming back, they need time to write stuff and put sets together and all that sort of thing so they can start filming over the summer. So you kind of need to let them know by the end of May, one way or another, whether they're coming back. So we should know fairly soon, even if we don't know by the start of May before the upfronts. There are a couple of other shows these haven't aired over here but there is uh, one called The Endgame which is on NBC there's one called Good Sam on CBS which are on very shaky ground and there's one called Queens which is on ABC which is almost definitely cancelled so those are the only shows that are on even more shaky ground but I don't think any of those have aired over here that's where we really stand with things right now as I said the upfronts I think start in early May and then they'll move through the first sort of few weeks of May that's usually the end of April so over the next couple of weeks we'll start to get more cancellations come in so keep an eye on the site I will be posting things as we get cancellations and renewals Mm -hmm. 
Yep. There have been a couple of renewals this week. Amy Schumer's Life and Beth, which is a Hulu series, which I don't think has landed on Disney Plus over here. I'm not sure. But uh, Life and Beth, that's been renewed for a second season by Hulu. And there is a series called Making the Cut, which I think is a reality series, possibly. But that's season three that's got renewed for it at Amazon as well. Over in pickups and other news, there is a comedy called Man vs. B, which stars Rowan Atkinson, which is starting on Friday the 24th of June on Netflix. Pretty much is what it says on the title. It is a man who is in at war with a bee. Sounds a bit like the Walter White Fly episode mm. of <laughs> Breaking yeah, Bad. Breaking Bad yeah. Yes, uh, but <laughs> obviously, I mean, Rowan Atkinson, kind of known as the sort of Mr. Bean, and obviously Blackadder, but it's... Yeah. Sounds like it's almost Mr. Bean. And if anybody versus... remembers Johnny English. Yes, and, and Johnny English. So pretty good. This has got a lot of the Johnny English team actually working behind it, but um, I, I don't know whether it is going to be him doing silent comedy again, which is essentially what Mr. Bean was, but it certainly reads that way. It's basically man at war with a bee that is annoying him. Six or eight episodes and they're only 10 minutes long, so it's a short form series. That is going to be coming on Friday the 24th of June onto Netflix. Interesting that that's a show and not a film. So you've got like a bit more time there. It's probably about the same length of a film, just topped into 10 minute chunks by the sounds oh, okay. of it. Right. So, right. so mm. yes, there's that. Channel 4 has ordered the Horn Section TV show, which is a, it's described as a six-part scripted comedy series. It's written by and starring Alex Horn, who, apart from being the creator of Taskmaster, which is what he's known for, he also has the Horn Section band which has been on the last leg a number of times you know who they are they are doing some sort of scripted comedy series it sounds like it's almost a little bit chat showy a bit more in the the vein of something like the kumars chat show where there is a kind of sitcom premise to it but it's a chat show thing as well from it's a bit difficult to gauge from the description but that sort of feels like what it, it probably is so it's got sort of scripted comedy elements but chat show stuff going on as well so we'll see but they've all did that anyway i think they piloted that last year bbc has picked up the second run rights to the critically acclaimed series tokyo vice which actually hasn't gone out yet it's a hbo max series stars play have the first run rights so i think it comes out in may on stars play uk and then some point after that bbc have picked up the second run rights so they will be running it presumably bbc2 over there later in the year that's quite good that the bbc have gone in for that because it has got some critical acclaim to it that show Mm -hmm. american horror story for those of you that were were missing it and wanting to catch up all 10 seasons of it will be available from wednesday the 27th of april on disney plus i think season 9 and 10 were on there but they've now added the rest of them so or they will be adding the rest of them from the 27th of april so if you want to catch up with american horror story it's all on there where's season 11 we haven't heard Um, like anything about it no uh, which i mean it's not uncommon but Mm. i suspect at the upfronts we may get an announcement about season 11 like a title possibly right. um they usually use like a title then they do like loads of little teasers and stuff yeah the most vague sort of random teasers that you yeah can get. it's it's yeah. not uncommon not to hear anything about american horror story until like a few months beforehand other than little bits and pieces but yeah it has been very quiet so presumably that's going to return in the autumn but we don't know 
at the moment. It has been quite quiet. Mm-hmm. The other news was Amazon's IMDb TV, which is their free streaming service you can get on Amazon. They're rebranding it to Amazon Freevee. That's going to be its name from now on or from the 27th of April. So mm. IMDb TV is going to be Freevee. That's free V double E. They're spelling that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, why? I don't know. My guess is that they were having problems convincing people that it was a free streaming service. So calling it Freevee and the fact that it's Amazon Freevee tells you where it is and tells you that it's free and separates it from Prime Video. Weirdly, we were asked not to call Amazon Prime Video Amazon Prime Video, just Prime Video. But this we're told to call Amazon Freevee. So they've attached the Amazon name to the free service, but not to the Prime Video service, which is weird. But anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, Just call it like IMDb Plus or something. Everybody's doing that. Well, well, yeah, but I I think, like I say, I think the reason that they've renamed it is because they want to put free in there somewhere. Interestingly, when they launched it, I think it was called IMDb TV Free Dive. That's just too long. Yeah, I, I think partly too long. And putting dive in the name, I think, has negative connotations of sort of this place is a dive, dive bar, kind of has negative connotations. So that only lasted about three months before somebody just said that's a really bad name and they changed it to IMDb TV. So um, I think we need new people in charge of naming things. Yes, I think we do. But yes, Amazon Freevee, IMDb TV is mm. what's going to be called. And I mean, they've got some decent stuff on there. They've got a bunch of original things. Uh, the Bosch Legacy series, which is, I think, actually going to be the first show to launch with with the Freevee brand. They did mm-hmm. that spin-off from Leverage. And they have the Alex Ryder show. I yeah. know that's on all four as well. Yeah, so. they, they also had Alex Ryder. There's a Star Trek documentary thing that they put on there recently. There's, and there's a whole bunch of like old box sets and bits and pieces. And it is completely free. You just need an Amazon account to go on, but you don't need an Amazon right. Prime account. You just need a normal free Amazon account to be able to go on and use that service. That's mm-hmm. what it's going to be called from the 27th of April, apparently. Moving on to other news stories, HBO Max has ordered a new series called The Dead Boy Detectives. It's based on the Neil Gaiman DC Comics characters. I think they started out in Sandman, actually, but they're technically part of the whole DC world thing. Dead Boy Detectives is a fresh take on a ghost story that explores loss, grief, and death through the lens of Edwin Payne and Charles Rowland, two dead British teenagers, and their very alive friend, Crystal Palace. It's a lot like a vintage detective series, only darker and on acid, is the way it's described. It's from Steve Yockey, who was Emmy-nominated for season one of the Flight Attendant, which is a brilliant, brilliant series. Mm-hmm. Dead Boy Detectives also reteams him with Jeremy Carver, who is the showrunner on Doom Patrol. The duo also previously worked together on Supernatural. So, I mean, they're no strangers to like dark, weird, spooky TV shows. Sure. Yockley said, I've been obsessed with this comic for a long time, so it's a true passion project. And Jeremy, Belanti Productions, DC, WBTV, HBO, they all encourage me to run with every wild, bizarre and unsettling choice. And the result's going to be really dark fun. So... Yockley has written the pilot episode and will serve as showrunner. He is going to be exec producing 
thing with Carver, who, say, is involved in Doom Patrol and Supernatural. It's the Belantiverse series as well, because it's it's basically people that are involved in Doom Patrol. These characters did actually show up in an episode of Doom Patrol, but the actors that are playing it in this version are going to be different to the actors that played it in the Doom Patrol version. I don't know why that is. I don't know whether that was just they couldn't get the same people or what, but it's, okay. it's going to be different people playing the three main characters, none of which I would be familiar with. They're all relatively new faces. So I like them when they showed up in, there was, it was one episode of Doom Patrol. They showed up in, uh, Yoki was the writer of that episode. So he got to kind of play around with it there, but it sounds like it's going to be very much in that sort of weird over the top Doom Patrol kind of vein, which I, I'm okay with. I like that universe. I like the weird strangeness that they're doing with Doom Patrol. This could be kind of interesting setting up a kind of ghost story type of thing in there. I did want to see a bit more of them. I kind of hoped they were going to stay around for a bit longer in Doom Patrol, so I'm quite glad they've picked up their own series for this. Mm, okay. Was it like a cameo to make you aware of these are these people? or like? Yeah, it was basically, there is an episode of Doom Patrol where they need to go to the underworld for something, and they get in touch with the dead boy detectives, and they turn up at the Doom Patrol mansion and find a way of guiding them into the underworld. So it was sort of a, a cameo for that one episode where they introduced the characters uh, and okay. I don't know whether that was sort of done as a intentional to see how they played or whether they had this in mind or not but yeah I'm, I'm kind of glad that they are doing this because I think it's a slightly more interesting off the world separate thing because it's it's that sort of Sandman Neil Gaiman kind of imprinty stuff rather than being full-blown mainstream DC so yeah sounds kind of interesting we'll see how it obviously plays out on that but I don't like know these characters or, or whatever. No. Um, I've only seen the what was it the pilot episode of, of Doom Patrol yeah see how this works out I'm quite interested by this plus the fact that you've got people that are involved in Supernatural behind it as well mm. as people that are involved in Doom Patrol behind it I think that's a really nice some good, some good mix. CVs there yes there are some good CVs and it is Belanti as well it is the production behind it and they've done a decent job with the Doom Patrol series it's wonderfully bonkers and over the top so I like the sound of that I think that's going to be interesting it's a HBO Max series in the US so could really could end up anywhere in the UK but I mean there is a fair chance that Amazon will probably go for it because they are the people or is it Stars Play that's got Doom Patrol over I can't remember but chances are it's going to be probably one of those streaming services that will go for it Mm -hmm. over on to other casting news The Witcher announced four new cast members for the third season one of which names is very familiar particularly as you've been watching quite a lot recently because it's Robbie Mm -hmm. Amell so Robbie Amell from Upload and of course The Flash and Code 8 he's going to be playing Galatin apparently is the character's name I don't know the book, so I feel that may be one familiar to people if you... I'm not sure who that is either. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a born fighter, Galatin leads an army of guerrilla warriors fighting on behalf of Nilfgaard. Unafraid to speak the truth, Galatin's loyalty to his people ultimately leads him on a collision course with Francesca over power, best known for his work on The Flash and in Upload and uh, in Code 8. Code 8 was really good as well, but... Um, yeah, I so, never saw that. So I think it's on Netflix. It's worth looking yeah, for. Yeah, that's the one that he did with Stephen, wasn't it? Stephen, yes. Yes, his cousin. Mm, cool. yes. He's one of the new characters. Menga Zan is another one who was in Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings. She plays Milva, a human adopted by Dryads and the Brooklyn Forest. Milva is a fierce and talented huntress. Exact archery skills coupled with stone-cold aptitude for survival make her a formidable adversary in the unforgiving continent. Those that cross her do so at their peril. 
Peril. You've got Hugh Skinner, who was in Fleabag and Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. He's going to play Prince Vadaloid. That name I vaguely remember from the video games, I think. Royal Playboy and Younger Brother to King Vizimir. Radovid finds himself suddenly a man on the inside of Redanian intelligence. With his good looks and often drunken charm, Radovid surprises with how inclusive he can be in matters of politics, but it's all a game until somebody gets hurt. So he sounds like he's going to be quite a fun character to see. Mm. And Christelle Elwin is Mistal. She is from uh, Beating Bloods, apparently. You might know from that. But uh, Mistal is a member of the Rats, a gang of misfit teenagers who steal from the rich and give to themselves and sometimes the poor. She is street hard suspicious of everyone and out for revenge until a chance meeting that will change everything. So those are the four new characters. I think for the second season of The Witcher, they went slightly off-piste away from the books and apparently they're back more in the books for the third season from uh, what they've been saying and the things I've been reading about it. Henry Cavill obviously back as Geralt. Yennefer's back in there. Friar Allen as Ciri. Uh, Joey Bateman's back as Yaskia, who I'm very happy about because he's amazing. There's a whole bunch of other characters returning from the uh, previous seasons as well. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm looking forward to that coming back. It's a great show. They are shooting that right now. Yeah, Robbie's a great addition here. I think they really do a good job with the tone of this show because even Geralt when he's doing his like grunts or whatever he's even that can be kind of like charming and funny and stuff obviously Jessica is is in there as well with his comedy which wasn't utilized a bit more in season one than two but the character is used a bit differently in the second season but uh, yeah adding Robbie Amell who's both capable of doing certainly dramatic scenes if the one of the episodes of Upload is anything to go by yeah and is obviously capable of doing like comedic moments and stuff so yeah I think he's a really great addition in here and you got Henry Cavill returning and stuff which is great they sound pretty good to me I'm looking forward to seeing him again but in here this time yeah looking like it's going to be another good season for that they have done a really great job with that show moving on to one last story there's an Apple TV Plus series which I, I'm really interested in it's Noel Fielding and it's a comedy adventure based on the stories of Dick Turpin now some of you will if you're of my sort of generation might remember Dick Turpin because there was another TV series that was based around that character for the rest of you Noel Fielding takes the leading role of Dick Turpin, the legendary British highwayman. In this irreverent retelling, Dick is the most famous but least likely of highway robbers whose success is defined mostly by his charm, showmanship and great hair. Together with his gang of lovable rogues, Dick rides the highs and lows of celebrity and does what he can to escape the clutches of the thief-taker general. I mean, it's no fielding, so that gives you some idea of the type of humour it is. This feels much more like a sort of family comedy series which they've not really done a huge amount of on Apple it tends to be Mm -hmm. either more serious drama or out and out kids shows this feels more a sort of Doctor Who level of family fun adventure thing which they've done less of on there so I think this is kind of an interesting take it's produced by Big Talk it's written created by Claire Down Stuart Lane and Ian Jarvis who wrote The Outlaws and something called The Job Lot Fielding and Jeremy 
Jeremy Dyson, who worked on the League of Gentlemen, our script consultants as well. So that gives you kind of some idea of, of where the humour is in it. As I said before, this isn't the first time there has been a Dick Turpin TV series. From 79 to 82, there is a TV series starring Richard O'Sullivan on ITV, which was called Dick Turpin as well. There was a number of silent movies around in the 20s, and there was, of course, a Carry On Dick, which was a 1974 Sid James starring Carry On film. So there have been versions of Dick Turpin around for a while. Um, so it is something I was familiar with. I, I'm assuming it's probably not something you'd come across before. No, I thought the name might have rung a bell, but it doesn't quite. I may have heard of it like in passing somewhere or something. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, obviously, I more than trust Apple to do good shows because, well, every show that I've watched on there has been good. I've seen No Folding and some stuff here and there, again, kind of in, in sort of passing. So maybe this could be something I pay a bit more sort of focus to or whatever. No Fielding, I've had an issue with some of the shows because the overly surreal humour, I struggle with a little bit, but this sounds like it's going to be a little bit more grounded than maybe his really weird, surreal, over-the-top stuff. I can sort of fit, see him fitting this role quite well because the character of Dick Turpin is kind of silly and over-the-top, so I quite like this. I think it could work quite well. Don't know when that's going to land yet, but they have ordered it to series, so we'll and we don't know exactly what it's going to be called. I mean, we're referring to it as Dick Turpin at the moment, but it is technically untitled. So whether it gets called something else when they actually launch it, we'll see. But that's coming to Apple TV at some point. So that's all the news we've got for this week. Just some time for some highlights for next week on TV. Highlights for next week on TV, and there are quite a lot this week as well. We've got uh, Russian Doll returning for its second season. That's on the 20th of April. Uh, Season one of that was really solid, so I'm looking forward to the second season of that. Station 19 returns for the second half of season five. That's on 20th April at 10pm on Sky Witness. Inside number nine is back for its seventh season. That's on the 20th of April at 10pm on BBC Two. Brooklyn Nine-Nine returns for season eight on E4. Somebody seems to have woken the E4 schedulers <laughs> from their drunken stupor and uh, just actually got them scheduling things because there's a few things on E4 that have been scheduled for this week. So Brooklyn Nine-Nine season eight, that's on the 20th of April at 9pm. That is finally coming. That's the last and final season. The Rising, that comes on the 22nd of April at 9pm. I've seen a few episodes of this. It's really, really good. There's actually some interviews up on the website with the cast it's coming to sky max it's called the rising it's a supernatural crime thriller. it's based on a belgian series essentially it follows a girl who wakes up seemingly having blacked out in a lake and very quickly discovers that she didn't black out in the lake she's actually dead it's following what happens from that point on that sounds like it could be a comedy setup and it isn't it's got some dark humor in it but it, it is much more of a kind of crime thriller the first couple of episodes were superb so um, I would really advise you to go and watch out for that. But that's The Rising. It's on Sky Max. It's on 22nd of April at 9pm. And I think all episodes go up on demand on that date as well. Heartstopper, which we've mentioned a couple of times, which is based on a graphic novel that's about two boys who meet in an all-boys school and become friends and quickly discover a romance is blossoming between them. That's Heartstopper, Netflix, 22nd of April for that. Sounds like it could be a bit Love, Victor-ish. That by the oh, time, this but... thing, right. Yeah. Yes. I was wondering where this had gone. Yeah, I'll definitely be checking that yes. out. So. I, I have seen a couple of people who've seen previews of it. I saw on Twitter they were being quite positive about it. So uh, that's mm-hmm. called Heartstopper, 20 
22nd of April on Netflix for that. Um, Sex Lies of College Girls, which I think is a HBO Max series. That's coming to ITV2 on the 24th of April at 10pm. Follows the lives of four 18-year-old freshmen roommates in a fictional Essex College in Vermont, covering their sexual activity lifestyle and they deal with different struggles and hardships that college brings. That's Sex Lives of College Girls. That's ITV2, 24th of April at 10pm. The Goldbergs season nine has an air date on E4. Again, another E4 scheduled one. That's on the 24th of April at 7 p.m. I think that's running double bills weekly. We also have Young Sheldon, which is following it at 8 p.m. That's season five. That's also on E4. So that's the Goldberg season nine, 24th of April at 7 p.m. Young Sheldon season five, E4, 24th of April at 8 p.m. Also on the 24th of April, Gaslit. That's coming to Stars Play, which is an anthology drama. Season one tells the story of Martha Mitchell on a role in Watergate. It's got uh, Julia Roberts and Sean Penn in the leads of that, but that's been getting some fairly positive buzz about it. Star Trek Prodigy, which is the animated series that comes to Nickelodeon. That's on the 25th of April at 6pm. Black Lady Sketch Show that returns for a second season. That's on Sky Comedy. That's on the 25th of April at 10.25. And Barry returns for season three. That's to Sky Comedy. That's on the 25th of April at 9.45. That will be back. That's been a long time. That has been a while. Yes, Uh, that's finally returned. I think, I mean, it's it's been a long while in the US as well. So, I mean, it's just one of those ones that had a big break. So uh, Barry season three, 25th of April at 9.45. 45 on Sky Comedy. And that is everything for this week. So if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they go and find you? You can find my podcast over on entertainmenttalk.org. Of course, I podcast with, at the moment, Robert and David. Uh, like you said, we uh, just finished Walking Dead. Now we're shifting over to Better Call Soul. Me and Robert still doing the gaming podcast and things. So go and have a look at those. I did a podcast on the whole Warner Brothers merger thing, going through the variety article. So pointing out the, the good signs and the bad signs or the, you know, well, whatever's going on with that as i said reviewed sonic 2 recently and just a whole bunch of tv games films may not podcasts uh, we've got liverpool on tuesday so that'll be fun so we'll see how that goes you can also find me on twitch as well if you'd like to uh, etalk uk and then you can find those streams archived as well as some game clips which i've still got loads to put up that's the youtube channel entertainment talk plays but yeah podcast entertainment talk.org and podcast platforms you can search for the same name over there yep so go and check matt out over there for other people involved in the show bex you can find on uh, twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bytes that's B-Y-T-E-S although over this weekend she's actually been over at Insomnia in Birmingham I actually popped over to see her she was presenting on a bunch of stages over there including on the main stage where she did a live version of the 80s electro breakdown disco party I think it's what it's called which is the show that she does with Jason Bradbury they did a live stage version of that which was, was brilliant they are talking about getting some video and stuff of, of that live stage show and putting it up somewhere so uh, that hopefully you'll be able to go and watch she will be back next week to doing her regular streams and stuff uh, but uh, that's on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites Daryl you can go and find on hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those TV series that you love which are shot in Canada for us you can visit the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website Post find us at Geek Town on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Geek Town, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Geek Town, and on Instagram at Geek Town UK. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye.